Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined uh, as I typically am after wins. I like talking to Raj after wins. You know, it is fun sometimes after a loss to see that fire, like, billowing from Raj's nostrils. That's fun sometimes, too. But I also feel like doing that to him is a bit of torture. So I kind of like, you know, evening it out and bringing him in here on, on a night like tonight after the Lakers beat. The Oklahoma City Thunder, 112 to 101, or 112, sorry, to 105. Um, the Lakers beat the Thunder for the second time this season. They match up oddly, like, well, apparently, with the Thunder, who have been one of the better teams in the league this season. So take that for what you will. Uh, Darvin Ham went back to the original starters that started the season together. Um, he closed with that group. Uh, the lineups over the course of the game made some more sense didn't have cam reddish in this one there's a ton to get to and i'm throwing raj a bone here at the very end of the show um uh, asking the question of can the lakers basically outplay trade rumors can they play so well that they that they force the front office's hand and they see what they can do um with this group intact the the jared vanderbilt approach basically is what he was asking for yeah, I, so I don't watch very many movies, but like I so I know the gifts more than the movies, gifts, mm-hmm. gifts, but like the uh, gifts. Gifts. Mm-hmm. whenever like yeah, like whenever what's that gif where it's like whenever I'm about to go out, they always pull me back in. I don't know what movie that's from, but I know like the <laughs> actual like I've seen like the gif enough times. That's what it. That's what he's it from the like Godfather for. originally, and then in the Sopranos they had somebody who like uh uh 
imitated the line. Okay. So haven't seen either yeah. of those, but yes, like I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the gifs of gifs of both of those. That's that's what it feels like with this. How have you not seen either the Sopranos or the Godfather? All right. Anyway, Godfather's like, well, Godfather's the like, you come to my house or something like that, right? Like you come, you come to me on and... the day of my daughter's birthday. Yes. Yeah. I've seen that I'm line. Gonna make him a, an offer he cannot refuse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, okay. And then on the in list. Sopranos, they were like. Every time they, I think I'm, a, they pull me back in. That one, that one. Yes, yes, um, that's the that's the GIF I'm talking about. Yes, <laughs> that's as close as you'll get to references for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, a ton to get to. A reminder: please subscribe here on uh, YouTube if you guys are watching live. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If this is the first time that you're listening, following a big win, we have been. I have been on top of just about every major story this season. And uh, Harrison told me that I need to pat myself on the back a little bit. And, um, and and other people have been telling me I need to pat myself on the back a little bit for the reporting I've done so far this season. And I'm trying to do that. The thing is, I have crazy imposter syndrome, and I'm not good at doing those things. So uh, that is my reminder. Please subscribe and check out all of our stuff everywhere that you can possibly get it. Uh, but I want to get into this game. It was a great game, back and forth. Um, you look at the total free throws here. This is incredible. 18 for the Lakers, 11 for the Thunder. An insanely clean game. Like, there were some weird yep. calls there at the end of the game, I thought. But I like it was just like a really well-played basketball game. Not too much defense, and that kind of explains why there were so few free throws or whatever. But um, I thought it was like... It was what we would envision this game to look like going into the season, right? Like the Lakers essentially playing big, playing physical, using length to match up well with, with OKC. OKC being young, being athletic, presenting problems that way. The game is close. The Lakers pull out at the very end because they're the more experienced team. Exactly. Yeah, we look like the more physical team, the more athletic team. We look like they didn't really have a matchup for Anthony Davis, and I thought we went to him at opportune times. I thought our defense was much better tonight. Um, we didn't allow Shea to just cook. And again, the Torian Prince-Shea matchup, there were a few possessions where Shea just left him in the dust a few times. But I thought like our defensive game plan was on point. We trapped him in the right place. We like had good help at the rim. We threw in some zones as well. I thought in the opportune times, maybe played the zone a little bit too long. But this is the thing that's frustrating. It's hard to kind of examine the team because how do you take this game versus like what they played in Utah where they gave up like 130 or gave up like 131 in Toronto. But tonight they look like a serious team. Anthony, the game plan looked right. I thought I thought the lineups overall, I think we were watching it live and all access all access Lakers. I think for the most part, every unit looked like it made sense. It looked very plausible. It looked like they had a defender in each unit. They had a on-ball guard and they had a big man or a center. Like every lineup made sense. I thought the rotations were pretty on point other than Torian playing his, uh, well, maybe Torian is just penciled in for 30 every night and we could just kind of, uh, we can just uh, not expect that to change. But other than that, I, I thought uh, the Justin, rotations. Justin agrees with you here. First hand Prince uh, in 16 minutes went for three, one and one. And then in the second <laughs> half, zero, one and two in the 15 yes. minutes that he played there, this is beyond a joke. Ham thinks he's the third best player, plays 11 minutes more than Rui, 13 more than Bando. Um, the one challenge that we got from Ham in this one was on a on a on charge. A <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> True. Yeah, yeah, I would agree that uh, yeah. Ham sees him a certain way that I don't quite uh, align with. Uh, eight, eight minutes. Eight minutes left in the first quarter. We got a charge for Torian Prince. I, I'm not even sure if LeBron and AD get those type of that type of star, quote unquote, um, treatment from, from our coach. That was, that's absolutely absurd. And that was pretty universal reaction. Sometimes you'll get like some people yeah, like, like yeah, you a, knocked him over, motherfucker. Challenge that. <laughs> you knocked over my boy. No, that's like the only time his hands come out of his pockets. You do not run over my star. <laughs> he just loses his mind over that. Yeah, that's that's the most emotion he shows through the whole season. Um, but no, I think that really jumped AD, out though. AD got fouled at the end, like a clear and no. one. <laughs> like, Williams hit him on both arms, and Ham is like, eh, you know, <laughs> you win some part of the game. Torian draws a foul, and it's like, oh. My God. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a quick. It was such a quick challenge too. He didn't even look at his bench. He just challenged. <laughs> what? You think the guys at like the scores table were like, "Are you are you sure? Are you positive?" <laughs> Like the review team was like, Darwin, we're not, no, 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 I got this one. I got this one. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, like 80s arm is like hanging off of his body limp. You know, good no call ref. It's a tough one. <laughs> the whole bench is like irate, and Ham is just sitting there like, you know, your points are being made. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, right. Vince <laughs> takes that charge and is there. Look what they've done to my boy! Look what they've <laughs> they murdered my boy! <laughs> oh man! Anyway, um, honestly though, like not much to gripe about. You know, obviously the Prince minutes are are tough and i think they are just going to continue to be tough but um especially in a game like this where you know so hilariously before the game we were informed by reporters um that the Oof. starting lineup was going to be one thing and apparently yeah. every single reporter on the beat misunderstood what darvin ham intended when he apparently said that they were going to go back to whatever starters or whatever and Initially, we thought it was going to be Austin. Well, I guess D'Lo, Austin, Vando, LeBron, and AD. And we thought yeah. finally, finally, we were going to get minutes with the group that got you to the Western Conference Finals last year. And then right. about 10 minutes later, we get a clarification from Dave McMenamin, who apparently asked a follow-up, which normally you don't have to ask a follow-up on lineups. So, Honestly, it's a really weird situation, the way all of this all yeah. went down. And we come to find out that actually the group that was going to be starting this game was going to be the group that began the year as the starters. Uh, D'Lo, right. Austin, Prince, LeBron, and AD. Mm -hmm. And um, 
people i didn't handle that very well i didn't <laughs> i didn't take that information very well uh twitter did not handle Sorry. that information very well it was certainly um an interesting i would say turn of events uh in preparation yeah. for the game. it became even more terrifying when you realized oh shit shay gilgis alexander is playing for the other team and you're gonna have torian prince guarding shay with no perimeter help because the other guys out there with him are going to be Austin and D'Lo. And fortunately, uh, Shea, now Shea apparently has been dealing with some injury stuff uh, as of late. There was some question as to whether or not he was even going to play in this game. So maybe the Lakers got a little lucky here. Um, regardless, right. sometimes it's sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. You prefer to be good more often than not. And, um, you know, it winds up, working out in the Lakers favor. The first half didn't look that great. Second half though, I thought that group played a little better. Right. Yeah. And I think like with that group, obviously most like, I think all of us wanted Vando to start and there was jubilation all across Lakers Twitter for about two minutes. It was a very fun and enjoyable two minutes. And then uh, we realized that um, Torian was starting. <laughs> My favorite thing about this, Samantha is like, if you listen to Darwin Ham talk, even in the post game, he calls it a new lineup. Not really a new lineup. We saw it like we saw it to start the season. Darwin, um, did you know it, that like... you started the, the season with these guys? <laughs> but but what is what is kind of new about it? I think at the time, what and obviously Austin's benching for Cam Reddish. Part of it was defensively, but it was also offensively. Austin was really struggling shooting the basketball yeah. to start the season. I think D'Lo started off well, but kind of tapered off. And I think this lineup, what it actually was supposed to be in the vision of this unit, was like a more offensive lenient unit and that gives LeBron and AD a little bit more room to operate and I think I think we kind of saw that tonight we saw Austin and D'Lo a second straight game both of those guys play well I think our floor just raises so much higher when D'Lo's playing well I think he's a kind of a real big x factor for this team and he had like 13 and 7 or something like that I think as the fourth quarter um, dialed down and I think another big thing that this does obviously like I would still want Vando to start and Vando had his best game and I think maybe for the season Rui played really well but it Anthony it fits Austin back into that connector role you know what I mean like when Austin's next yeah. to D'Lo LeBron and Anthony Davis he's able to kind of fill back and pick his spots more where he's attacking a already compromised defense versus having to be the one that's always breaking down a defense and I think like that other role is where he's special at I think he can break down the defense but I think what makes Austin special is like attacking a three on you know a three on two on the weak side or like being able to attack closeouts and then being able to also fit that defensive role where he's taking charges he's getting deflections he's rotating he's putting himself his body kind of on the line I think he does all that because he's able to slot himself back into like that fourth kind of offensive option I think that I think it's worked really well I've heard you I saw you tweet about it that we kind of gave up on the D'Lo and Austin backcourt too quickly and I agree with that I think this is our most potent offensive kind of backcourt lineup that we have and I think going away from there was kind of uh I thought we went away from it too early but that's another thing I saw from this game it was really fun to watch those two work well with each other the chemistry looks like it's still there those two screen for each other really nicely they look for each other they obviously have like a bromance in some way where they like play golf. Together. I guess D'Lo said he wants to get Austin on his podcast is, is yes, the, uh, yes. <laughs> it's the compliment that he got tonight. Um, I, I would also say um, as far as the, the Austin D'Lo thing, if you just go back mm -hmm. and you look at how the way the, the, the season kind of played out for those two, right? So one, 
the Lakers essentially wanted Austin to be like the primary ball handler there. And he and D'Lo were kind of tripping over each other's feet in terms of trying to figure out like who should have the ball when, what the other person should be doing if they're trying to, you know, make all this work. Um, And I think that was a factor there, you know, at the beginning of the season. And then also you had um, Austin coming back from FIBA and he didn't have his legs and his shot was way off. As you pointed out, Um, the, if, those three are going to work. Um, and during points of the season where they have worked, it was because Torian Prince was making like 60% of his threes, right? There was yeah. a stretch where uh, Austin, D'Lo, and Torian were really working out. And that was when you were getting the positive regression from Torian from deep. And that three-man lineup played actually pretty well for like a 10-ish, 10-15 game stretch there. And um, so essentially what you're hoping for there is to be so potent offensively that some that you make up for the defense there. And um, early in the early in the season, that was not the case. That lineup was not working offensively, and they were getting torched defensively. And I still have questions about that group defensively. I was pretty annoyed that he went in a in a spot where the Lakers desperately needed stops. It made no sense whatsoever to me to go to Tory and instead of Vando um, when you're yeah. up by like eight at the end of a game, but. You know, regardless, I think um, in a weird way, I'm glad that we arrived back here and we get to see a refocus. Again, I would I would swap out uh, Prince for Vando in that group. But it is good that, you know, accidentally and drunkenly, the Lakers stumbled back into their best backcourt. Right, most definitely, and I th- I think that's important for this team. Um, and I thought you saw it make life a lot easier for LeBron as well. And I think we're getting to the point of the season, Anthony. Like we're ne- we need to like stick with lineups and kind of stick with an identity and stick with the scheme that we're running and an offensive line. But it's really tough when you're just benching guys left and right. And Darwin keeps saying foreseeable future. I, I like I don't know what that means. The I last think he time said he that, said that, but... Rui got hurt. So like, find a different phrase, Darwin. Please. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, foreseeable future can be anything, right? It can be the next day. It can be the next month. But yeah. like, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm glad they kind of arrived back at this Austin D'Lo backcourt because I think, and again, like. The, the, I think the frustrating part is like the Austin D'Lo Vando LeBron AD unit that might not even work like we, but I want to see it I want to like make sure it doesn't work I would like to at least have it given a chance and we got so close to it a few times tonight and like Vando kept getting subbed out for Torian it felt like Darvin Ham was kind of trolling uh, the fan base but I, I agree with you I think we need to play our backcourt we just were so terrible offensively that I think like those these things are connected where like when you're so bad offensively it puts so much pressure on your defense and like every defensive possession feels larger than it should be because you just can't score on the other end. Your half court offense was like the 28th in the league or something like that. We're 22nd in offense since the IST. And I think those as defensive units aren't defending well enough either. We're 22nd in defense as well. So I agree with you. I think Austin and D'Lo, you, you make this point a lot, are like your third and fourth best players. Like I think it's just yeah. really tough to have your third and fourth best players coming off the bench. And then you can keep going down the line with that. Rui is probably your for a while they were not playing together to have your third and fourth best players just like not play together there's not enough connective identity there to your team right yeah and i think the other part too is like i think lebron needs some offensive creation next to them and i think austin and delo kind of give you that nice blend and hopefully again that's like blended in with the wings that we have i think okc also missed just a lot of threes tonight they they got a ton up and the lakers defense is 
kind of uh, that's what they want to give up. They like have specific shooters that they're okay shooting the basketball. Josh Giddy was a guy that they were okay with shooting. Um, the other Jalen J Dub was a guy they were also okay with giving up three point attempts to. Um, and OKC missed a lot, but I, I really liked like the process was really good tonight. We I thought we remounted well. I thought like our defense was solid. Everyone was engaged. We held OKC to like 105 points. We we kind of took away the easy baskets from Shea. Just hopefully they can kind of pile this over to the next game. But Austin Delo really well. I like the backcourt, and hopefully you know they they stick with that going forward. I thought a big factor in them working tonight was that Austin moved off of the ball and the role was very mm -hmm. clearly, the roles between them was very clearly D'Lo is managing the ball. Austin, yep. you go back to doing the connective, you know, you know, I always use the analogy of the brick and mortar thing, right? Your bricks are your Anthony Davises and your LeBron James. And then like everybody else basically operates as your mortar and their job is to, you know, help fortify the structure there. And tonight, you know, I, and I think for most of the season, the Lakers have tried to like force Austin into a brick role when yeah. really, I think at his best, he's more of a mortar type player. And, and tonight you saw him take a charge. You saw him, uh, you know, make more of an impact in help defense. Even if he wasn't taking charge, he had a strip at one point earlier in the game. Also, um, he was, you know, he was the, 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 the second pass that, you know, swings the ball around and, or, 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 yep. you know, benefits from those swing passes. Like it's just, he's capable. And this is what makes Austin so special. It's why I'm kind of reluctant to trade him is that he can do both things. He can function yep. on the ball and we've seen him close out games on the ball, but he can also move off of it and allow somebody like D'Lo, who clearly feels a lot more comfortable on the ball to function as, as such. And, um, you know, you compare that to say like DeJounte Murray and the whole reason for all of the tension and the reason that that team hasn't functioned the way that they should have since trading for Murray is that he hasn't been comfortable operating off of the ball. And he has to play that way. And like, if you're swapping Reeves out for that guy, I think Murray clearly is the more talented player far and away. Like it's not even a sure. question, but sure. in terms of like utility on a team, I like the fact that Austin can operate this way and the other way and allow somebody like D'Lo to go from, and, and like, it was funny. Did you see like, I think it was like last week or the few days ago or so, um, D'Lo had that excerpt from his podcast where yeah, it was like, they were saying like, this is him saying he doesn't like starting when really what he was saying is that like, he doesn't feel functionally productive if he isn't mm -hmm. on the ball, right? He needs right. to feel the ball in his hands to feel like he's making mm -hmm. an impact on the game. And so when you have Austin become more of a mortar type player and you move D'Lo into being more of a brick on the offense in this, you know, in this analogy, um, it, it, the team makes more sense. And I thought tonight the offense looked a lot more productive and a lot smoother when the two guys weren't like tiptoeing around. Is it your turn? Is it my turn? Do I do this? Do I do whatever? Right, right. This is de it's definitely felt like it was more D'Lo on ball. And I think, you know, LeBron likes to pick his spots within games of where he'll take the basketball. And I think he likes to just have a whole first quarter uh like possessions where another guard has the basketball and when austin was starting it was him and it was looking clunky i think austin was super efficient with his offense but he doesn't really get 
other guys involved like that. Like his playmaking obviously isn't up to the level where D'Lo is. And yeah, I heard that podcast excerpt. And if you listen to D'Lo talk, that wasn't the first time he said that. He's spoken about this a lot where he's like, I'm a point guard. I need the basketball in my hands. I can kind of decipher where the ball is supposed to go. I can playmake and then I can get myself going. I'm not going to get going taking four or five shots a game. But I think you saw it like he's kind of showed you the last these last two games. He's not going to have like 37 like he had in Utah. But I think tonight is Anthony where his floor needs to live at kind of like a 15 points, six assist type of game. And he's more than talented um, to get those. So, yeah, like I, I loved it. I thought Austin be able to go back. And the great thing about Austin, though, and I, I like people were kind of upset at Darwin and, you know, well, people are upset at Darwin for a lot of things, but like. Upset at Darwin for kind of trying to push Austin into the, it, in fairness. <laughs> sure. Uh, but like trying to push Austin into this uh, on ball role. And I think that was like the natural progression. If you see a guy kill it in a, in the playoffs, I think the natural next question is what can he do if we up the usage, right? Like if we gave him yeah. more on ball possessions. And I think that was like a legit uh, question that they needed answered. And I think we got the answer that he's probably not ready for that, for like on ball possessions every single time running Full, full units but he's still super special off the ball how many driving kicks did we get tonight when's the last time we got this many like driving kicks you saw torian driving and kicking i think that was the vision for this team and i think austin kind of fits in around that where him and d'lo as a backcourt another thing it did end of the game you couldn't hide you couldn't hide shay they were trying to hide shay on d'lo and they're like we're just gonna have d'lo come in screen you're gonna be involved in the action and that, that's what like having that's the advantage of having two dynamic guards offensively we think about it in a very negative connotation all the times of like oh you have to kind of protect these two guards but you're supposed to make up for it on the other end and they did that in the fourth quarter austin d'lo coming to screen for lebron that's where you get the advantage of it where you can't hide a guy like shea gilgis alexander or other guards you got you're gonna be involved in these screen actions i thought we saw the advantage tonight um and those two have uh played really well and, and talk about off the court so deal and austin are uh backward is back i guess yeah. <clears throat> Another important thing in, in, and uh, this is where we're on the second topic here of, of today's planned show. And we'll see where the show goes from here. The, the whole riff on ham challenging for Prince came out of nowhere. And um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that happens when you're touched by God or whatever, but, but um, as far as that, that um, this starting group and the way that they're functioning. And I think tonight, is what they were hoping that would look like where you look yep. at the numbers after the game and Anthony Davis now 38 minutes is high. LeBron playing 39 minutes also high, but it was like somehow like a quiet 27 points for Anthony Davis. It feels like mm. a quiet 25 points for LeBron. Um, Davis shoots nine of 17, you know, that's over 50% from the field. I like that number for AD. Um, LeBron shoots over 50% from the field also 12 of 20 from the field and <clears throat> at least offensively. Now, defensively, I, I, again, I do have my questions with that group and essentially you're hoping that with some of the subs and with other lineups out there, you can put the clamps on the team and, and, and get yourself, um, get those teams out of the rhythm that maybe they gain by playing a weaker defensive unit, um, to start. But, uh, with that, at least offensively, allowing LeBron and AD to just kind of chill for even a little bit. Yeah, their yeah. minutes totals are high, but the fact that like every play doesn't have to be because for a while there, when they were not playing Austin and D'Lo together, 
if it wasn't a LeBron possession, or if it wasn't an Anthony Davis possession, the offense went to shit. Like yeah. it was just ugly. And that was like, even in some spots where um, maybe a, for a possession or two, maybe they run the right set and they get themselves a good look. But for the most part, while they were splitting Austin and D'Lo up, if it wasn't LeBron or AD consistently touching the ball, you would just sit there and be like, I mean, and even at the beginning of this game, right? It's easy with yep. the result to look at everything through rosy colored glasses. But at the beginning of the game, you had like a Christian Wood ISO step back three on mm -hmm. one and it worked out, you know, he shouts to him for making it. And Torian yeah. Prince has had the greenest light I have seen ever maybe for a player of his ilk. And, and, you know, in this one though, like I, I think the more that that group plays together, and the more that, especially if they decide, and I, I think they've already made their decision on D'Lo, but if they decide to keep him around, and we'll talk about that a little yes. bit later, but if if they decide to keep D'Lo around and he just kind of leans into, uh, or the offense is kind of built towards him being functioning as the primary ball handler, at least for the first like 40 minutes of the game, when he's yeah. out there and then late, you go to the LeBron offense. Um, like that that at least makes some sense to me. You know, like that is something that like, if I, if I say it out loud, it makes some sense throughout the year to this point though, I've been saying all kinds of stuff out loud and my brain literally trips on it. Like there's a hamster in there and I say a phrase and the hamster's just like, Whoa, what? And he just falls off of the wheel. And, and it's nice to, it's nice tonight to see like a plan where the hamster can keep on running because what it is that I'm saying out loud, the plan at least as I see it to be intended, makes some sense. Yeah, it, it makes basketball sense, right? And I think like what, what every team kind of has, and I think the thing that we've been missing because we've just been fluctuating through lineups, through rotations, through you'll start Cam Reddish and Vando together, you'll split them up, and the offense just goes through these lulls of people, they're not sure what they're supposed to run. Every team kind of has a set play that they start games with or when they're in trouble, they go to this, right? Like I always make the point, the Clippers, like the way they, the way, the way their offense is kind of structured is it's a hardened zoo pick and roll, which makes me, which just kills my heart. But like, it's a hardened zoo. It's every, their initial attack on you is a hardened zoo pick and roll. And how you, uh, how you defend that is how they counter to it. So if you tag it, you have Kawhi and PG on the opposite end. Um, or if you don't step up, Harden has a floater or he has a lot of the zoo. And I think like the Lakers need attacks like that. And our attack from that was really a D'Lo AD screen and roll. D'Lo looks for AD probably more than anyone as much as LeBron and <clears throat> him and yeah. uh, him and AD have had like a really nice relationship on the ball. And I think that's a place where both of those guys have a really nice chemistry going on from last season. And that's kind of where you can kind of start your offense. And yeah, LeBron can kind of chill. And I think the reason their games felt so quiet tonight is because they're not trying to pierce a defense one on five right like it, yeah. it, it doesn't look like they're trying to like lebron doesn't have to drive from the top of the key every single time and barrel to the basket lebron won free throw tonight by the way i think it was on a technical so like or was it an one I, I think it was an one but yeah just he's still not really getting to the line i think his drives also weren't weren't up tonight but and ad got a lot of his baskets on like offensive rebounds and finishes uh okc um they trap him a lot they send two at him the last OKC game, I, I believe he also got like high assistant because they just send help and they, they trap him at trap him at, at every case. But yeah, like I thought those two were able to like get their offense within the flow. And we've been really missing that. Just the flow, read and react type of offense where like not everything is so 
uh, where, where like it's like an Austin ISO, a D'Lo ISO, LeBron ISO. Tonight felt more like read and react. They were able to kind of play off each other. I think D'Lo yeah. screened for LeBron tonight more than he has all season. D'Lo is so sad because D'Lo got called for a moving screen. D'Lo wanted no part of making any contact. But not just that, D'Lo makes no contact on his screens anyway. Like he he sets the most like non-contact picks that he got a moving screen. That's the explanation. Like you know when like you know off to the side after the call, guys will have a conversation with the ref who make the call, and and D'Lo is like honest about himself (laughs) in a way where he'd be like ref. You know, I don't actually set screens, right? Like, right, what are yeah. you doing calling on this? I don't, I have not made contact on a screen all season. Go back and look at the one that you just called on me right now. I slapped Lou Dor on the butt and he fell over. Like, <laughs> oh man, the flop by Lou Dor just absolutely. Uh, I think the Emmys are going on right now. Like, Lou Dor yeah. just absolute perfect um, acting there. But yeah, like D'Lo screening for LeBron and stuff that we haven't been seeing. Austin came and screened for him at the end of games, but like, Remember you talked about that scout that said the Lakers don't really run a lot of stuff. Uh, they run good stuff. They just don't keep up with it. And I think you saw that a lot. They go away from it, right? And I think you saw a lot of freestyle offense sometimes. You see, like, Christian Wood just decide it's Christian Wood time. Like, he'll, like, go through his legs and just decide that it's his turn to kind of ISO. But I think when we can, like, I think we have good stuff in kind of our playbook that we go away from. And I think a lot of that is centered around our best offensive players, and that's LeBron, AD, um, D'Lo, and Austin. And uh, I think we saw that tonight. For sure. All right. Uh, the last question here before we get you guys out of here. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, we are recording this. It will, my time, it is January 16th. They played this game on January 15th, which means they played this game on the day that D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura can officially be traded. And, um, we kind of like quickly talked about this on playback tonight. And by the way, if you want to watch games with me and Raj, if you enjoy this back and forth here, we had a hilarious moment at halftime tonight, maybe the funniest halftime in the history of halftimes. <laughs> um, but playback.tv slash all access Lakers is where you could tune in to uh, Raj and Shub and Rome. Sometimes Aaron is there. Um, I am there on weeknights. Um, but so <clears throat> the, the topic that you kind of hit on and, and it is such a perfectly Raj question because it's so well intended is like, is there a scenario here? And you use the extreme example of a 12 game winning streak that would convince the Lakers not to make a major change to this roster or to, you know, can guys play themselves out of, you know, you know, trade not eligibility, but like the Lakers interest in trading that player. And yeah, I find that to be a very interesting and a fascinating topic. And um, I guess I will start with what I know about various guys. Right. Okay. And I'm here to say that like, I would be pretty surprised. And this has been the case all year. This message has been relayed to me all year. I would be pretty surprised if D'Angelo Russell was on the team past the deadline. I like, I'm just going to be blunt. Um, it would take a 12 game winning streak to, to, to like basically make them reconsider that idea. And look okay. with him now, you know, it's hard to trade a starter. You know, it's hard to trade a starter. 
and then bring whoever it is that that you you know you bring in and inject them and get them to work as a starter from that point forward and if the lakers do enough winning um you know maybe they make them you know they they, they think of a little bit about it and and they move off of it but as it stands right now i'm told to expect D'Lo to be traded between now and the trade deadline now when it comes to austin the Lakers are looking for a reason not to trade him, right? They are looking for they are looking for any excuse whatsoever not to trade him. They don't want to include him in a Dejounte yeah. Murray trade, and the season mm-hmm. would have to continue sliding um, in order for them to feel the need to trade him for Dejounte Murray. Yeah, uh, right. As far as like like Rui Hachimura, like falls like if those are the two ends of the spectrum, right? Where D'Lo is on one end. And the Lakers see an outcome with him, and Austin is on the other end of that spectrum, and they don't want to trade Austin. Rui is somewhere in the middle, probably closer to the Austin side than to the D'Lo side. Um, they like they love Rui as a person. He loves being a Laker. They like the fact that he played really well in that playoff setting, and playoff experience and playoff success is something that you don't like just trade away willy nilly. He also plays at a position that, you know, is critical in this NBA. And I just hate the idea of trading a wing for a guard period almost. Um, And so I think that's a factor as well. So like, as far as those three guys in particular, that's the scenario as it stands right now. And again, as I said with Aaron, as I have said all along, when I report stuff, especially during this time of year, this is as of 12.42 a.m. my time. <laughs> 10.42 Pacific time, 12.42 my time. That is the situation yeah. as I But, like, if you're asking, can it happen? I guess it can. Will it? I'd be pretty surprised. Okay, so obviously I'm sitting outside the kitchen, and <clears throat> I'm at, like, the table, and I'm seeing what's coming out. And there's just nothing yeah. that's coming out of the kitchen, Anthony, where I would – send Austin Reeves back in, you know, like I'm just, I'm, I'm keeping Austin Reeves on, you know, on this team. I, I just haven't seen anything to me that would move Austin for. I like, I think DeJounte Murray, I, I've loved him for a long time. He's really good. Is he 30 million or is he $20 million better a year than Austin Reeves? I would, I'd argue no. Is Zach Levine yeah. $35 million a year better than Austin Reeves? No. I would, I would argue, uh, argue no as well. Um, And with the D-Lo point, the, the only reason like that part, frustrates me because all summer like it was talking about continuity it was talking about build right building on what they did last season and everything about D'Lo was like his last name was tradable contract so D'Angelo Russell tradable contract um good 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 player D'Angelo Russell tradable contract like they could not speak about D'Lo the basketball player they had to say the tradable contract part before even getting into anything um that he brought on the floor uh, I just think like this like obviously I think him, the Lakers, and D'Angelo Russell is a very smart guy. He understood that when he signed the contract, there was it was extremely movable, and he waived his no trade clause. So obviously, he had um, that in mind. The reason I kind of brought up that question is I think this team needs to go on a run like pretty quickly here just to catch up. They're already like two or three games yeah. back of just the play in, and I'm wondering like this team gets hot, it gets on fire. I think it's it is very difficult to just move D'Angelo Russell. Whatever you think of him, I think it's no coincidence that their Lakers kind of best wins are with him playing well like like that's no coincidence to me he had a like five to six game slump but overall i think he was shooting pretty well 
even with his defensive comments, I think he has given more effort. You know, that's kind of wax and wane, especially when he went to the bench. It felt like it was kind of a revolt as bad defensively as Dilo was. If you rewatch the tape, he was absolutely god awful when he went to the bench. Just zero effort on trying. Yeah. His deflections went way down. It was at like two or three a game. It dropped to like point one, point two. But like, um, yeah, I think I think like this team needs him to play well for us to win. And if this team goes on twelve game winning streak, like there's twelve games between now and the trade deadline. If they win twelve games from here and now, like I'll I'll live with what happens from there. But uh, obviously, I don't think they're gonna just run run the table. We we play Boston, we play the Clippers, we play a lot of good teams. Um, I just think it's a tough. I think it's it's tougher than people are making out to be. Like I get DM'd trade, you know, machine stuff all the time, and Delo's the first name in every single one of those boxes. And I like I don't think that's by accident. Uh, Rui as well is within that, but I think Delo's the one that most fans are kind of like, yeah, just throw Delo and make the money work though. Go dealing, go get me D, you know, Dorian Finney Smith, whoever. Um, I think Delo is important to this team. I think we saw it when Austin started, right? The playmaking is is just is not up to par, which you need for a for a offense in 2024. If like Austin and LeBron are your only shot creators, if you don't get a shot creator back, I think it's troubling. Dejounte Murray is really good. Is he a guy you can give the ball to? I think. I mean, maybe. Like, I'm not sure. He's much. I think he's probably a worst playmaker just overall than D'Lo. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think he's a better scorer. Like he's like a 20 point a game. He's like, he's more, he's more individually productive, but in terms of it's like Zach Levine is, is, is kind of cut from the same cloth, like where Mm -hmm. like they, they are both six, five ish type players, super athletes can pierce a defense on their own. But once they pierce that defense, it is with, with the intent to score, right? It's not, it's not, you know, get into the teeth of the defense, kick it out, and, and you know, let alone, like, if they're going to get into the teeth of the defense and they're going to make a pass, it's going to be for an assist. It's not going to be exactly. for, like, kick the ball out to the wing, wing sw- swings it to a shooter, and that's, like, that's just not how they operate. Right, yeah, and Zach Levine is, like, with his playmaking, it's just he's so elite offensively as a shooter, then, like, he creates all that attention, and he playmakes out of that, but he's not a guy that, like, drives, going to hit, like, the right skip pass, or, you know, he's not, like, manipulating your defense in that way, he's kind of reacting to how they guard him as a scorer, and I think these are, like, really legit conversations that the team needs to have and Delo, like he's he's had an like up and down second half kind of of the first half of the season but I think he's like extremely important and to your Rui point of him being in the middle I think we like I hope Rui's on a minutes restriction like I hope that's the reason that he's not playing well I think you made the point on all access Lakers his minutes like that's what it's been all season he's averaging 23 minutes a game on the year he has lived in this minute restriction realm because of the injuries he's had but like he's a big physical dude and with the mask off it feels like he's just attacking the rim with much more force and i think this yeah. team needs that like we we lack this like tonight it was just like it, he bounced i think he bounced like dort off of him yeah which is fucking like, insane like it, lou dort is built like a fire hydrant you know that mm-hmm. guy is really hard to move and i think it was dort it was one of their more physical wings if it wasn't dort it was williams and right. and like Rui just kind of lowers his shoulder and he, and, 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 and that's a playoff bucket Raj. Like that's the kind exactly. of, that's the kind of play that you need, like that physicality on offense, that will to get to the bucket and that physicality to get that guy off of your shoulder and, and extend up to the basket that way. Those are playoff plays. And that's why, like, I know people have been frustrated with Rui this year. I think a lot of it has to do with injuries. A lot of it has to do with role fluctuation, 
I think a lot of it has to do with an over-reliance on Torian Prince and Cam Reddish. Um, yeah. And people are like willing because they see the big number. And with the big numbers, you can bring back the bigger number um, mm-hmm. uh, on the trade on the trade machine. And that's how people are looking at this. But I'm like, we just saw him be like one of four players who played well throughout the playoffs last year. <laughs> like he was guarding Jokic, not incredibly yeah. well or whatever, but he was their best solution to guarding Jokic last year. I'm not cool with just like, trading that guy especially and i used to mock this all the time because i think the lakers got a little carried away with like this being a factor and guys that they brought in but the desire to be a laker be here like relishing the Lakers spotlight and loving the fact that like this fan base is crazy crazy passionate has really high expectations and understanding yeah if I play well, it's going to raise my stock. If I don't play mm-hmm. well, they're going to freaking hate me. And I understand that and I welcome it. And, and like yeah. the fact that he functioned with those expectations during that playoff run, I, <laughs> and he plays the wing, like, like, yep. like there's clearly so many ways we can continue to improve playing. I think the most critical role position in the sport, I'm like, I'm not interested in like just trading him for the for the sake of getting to a contract number with the with the play, with the return from the other team. Me either. Yeah, I don't want him to just be salary filler as well. And he's like, he's also like, I think he's so much more suited for playoff basketball. Like, I think in the regular season, it, it kind of looks up and down. And I think Darvin Ham has like a proclivity to like lean towards speed. Like a, or lean towards yeah. smaller players, which which is leaning towards speed, and I think he just doesn't like Rui's foot speed. But you watch him tonight; he had some plays switching on Shea, like he did a nice job on him. And he's like a he's like a matchup nightmare in the playoffs. You play him next to LeBron a, and AD, like your third smallest Remember dude how has to go. In. They look, oh my god! And, and and in the Memphis series, like the threes got all the intention, but all the tap backs, all the offensive rebounds that he was creating, all the possessions he creates because you have to send a body at him to box out. Like that physical toll adds up. Um, and again, like I, I think like a point that's made this season is I just I want to know if it, Rui doesn't fit. Like I want to know I want to know that, and I feel like I haven't really got a chance. He's been hurt. His minutes have been really up and down. Sometimes he plays twelve minutes. Sometimes like when LeBron's out, he plays thirty. Like it goes. It goes up and down, and I think Rui has talked about this as well in terms of his role really fluctuating. He's also a release valve offensively. He's hitting his spot up threes this year, Anthony. Like he's like he's shooting well as well. Like I like I'm sure if in his mind he's like, what do I have to do to play? Like I'm, I'm hitting my threes. Like in my mind I'm, too, I'm, Rui. <laughs> if you're asking that question, I'm asking too, buddy. Um, no, and and like and so, all right. Here's what. Here's a scenario that I think is somewhat realistic. Last week when I talked to um, Aaron on Thursday's show, I had mentioned that the Lakers were not interested in moving their 29 pick. But as like, as time has kind of passed since then, and and as they've realized, well, shit, we're going to have to move either Rui, or sorry, we're going to have to move either Reeves or the first rounder to get anything back that makes any kind of, kind of an impact on our team. And so since, since I said that, that last Thursday, I think they've kind of, you know, come off of that stance a little bit. They're more interested. They're, they're more open to trading the 29 pick than they were last week. I, I would say. And, and this again, like I, 
I'm sorry that I keep going back to this point because it was a point that y'all were annoyed that I was making over the summer. And like me saying that I was right only sounds dickish of me, but I was right. And the Lakers, like instead of hard capping themselves with Torrey and Prince, would have been better served to keep Malik Beasley's money on the books, to keep Mo Bamba's money on the books, to re-sign Lonnie Walker to um, a, a, a deal. Basically, he would have gotten more than he got for Brooklyn. He would have gotten a raise by staying with the Lakers or whatever. And now you have money that isn't attached to your rotation that you can move with the first round pick and just add to your team, right? Whereas now, right. like you were talking about a second ago with D'Lo, right? You move D'Lo, you're taking away from your rotation. And whatever it is that you add back to your team, that now has to not just be an addition conceptually, but it has to make up for what you're taking off of the table by trading D'Lo. Right. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't. It. They didn't try to sign Beasley, LakerCon. They like they they let him walk. <laughs> they could. They didn't have to try to sign him. They could have just brought him back. Um, I think he, he had like to. a non guaranteed yeah. guaranteed deal that they chose not to guarantee. But anyway, yep. Um, with the team as it's constructed right now, there is some somewhat meaningful money that can go out the door that doesn't impact your rotation in Gabe Vincent, right? Yep. Gabe is not a part of the rotation, has not been a part of the rotation all year this year. I would be, I, I don't think he would be in the rotation this year, period, because of the injury that he's been dealing mm. with. Um, Like, it just feels very Kendrick Nunnish to me, what's been going on there uh. with, with Gabe. So, if you're able to take Gabe's money in that first round pick and get like a 10-ish million, maybe you add Cam to it as well because he's going to be out for a little bit too. So now you're talking about a 15-ish million dollar player that comes back for two guys that probably aren't going to be in your, rota your rotation here moving forward and is just an addition. That to yep. me, like people, and, and look, like over the next you few days week or whatever i'll put together a list of guys who fit that that um that kind of uh salary category or whatever and right. and I'll, I'll throw that together and, and 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 paint that hypothetical but to me that's a lot more productive than just throw as much money into the trade machine as you can possibly get and hope to get back and hope that DeJounte is enough an addition of an addition to add to whatever it is that you had. Right. You know, compared to whatever it is that you send out. And Levine, and look, Brian Windhorst said this um, on the uh, his today. pod. Yeah, today, this morning, um, that there, he thinks there's a 0% chance 0%. that they sign, uh, that they trade, that they trade for Zach Levine. I have been telling you guys this all year. <laughs> that every time somebody says that the Lakers make the most sense for Zach Levine, I always say, yeah, because somebody has to, somebody has to clear <laughs> that bar and be slight, like make slightly more sense than everybody else. <laughs> Nobody in the NBA wants that contract. And so like, I know I saw some people were saying like, Oh, the Lakers are cheap. How, you know, all this stuff. No, it's that the Lakers would have to send out half of their freaking rotation to bring in this guy who we yeah. aren't positive makes an impact on winning. So like, yep. <clears throat> like 
this is what I'm talking about when like, can the Lakers play their way out of trade talks and trade rumors and stuff like that? Yeah, they technically can. And maybe yeah. I could even say that about D'Lo in this specific hypothetical, but like, that's that's the extent of what that would look like. Hundred percent. And I think my point with this, and the reason I asked that question, is like I look at what this kind of team needs, right? Like I like look, I think Dejounte Murray would be great. I just think the upgrade from D'Angelo Russell and and or Austin Reeves to Dejounte Murray. I just think that's like bridging a gap enough of like where this team's margins are. I think we need, probably need a better backup center, although Christian Wood has played really well. So that spot looks a little mm-hmm. bit more locked up. And I've loved our second units, Anthony, especially with Max Christie in them. We had like Max, D'Lo, LeBron, Wood, and Rui. Or like you can put Vando LeBron in there. Wood really... minutes have been great this year. Yeah, great. our second units have been, really, have been really solid recently since Wood kind of re-entered in. Jackson Hayes has kind of uh, been kicked out of the rotation. Um, I think this team needs like a movement shooter, like one elite fire alarm movement shooter that you can run off screens. And I think you can get that without messing up rotation. I think a Gabe Vincent or whatever that salary, and uh, you'll you'll create the list um, a little bit later. But I, I think, think like Jaylen those Huchifino players. You know, makes more than you think. Like Jalen Huchifino, and it's essentially like trading like a. No, not Jalen. Not his yet. value isn't first round pick. It's it's not first yeah. round pick value. He's he's diminished in value to the to that point. But it's essentially like trading like a high second, you know, a late yeah. first, a high second. So if you yeah. basically send out Cam, Gabe, and 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 Hood Shafino in that first rounder, and you see what you can get back for that package. No, it's not going to be as exciting a name as we're talking about with Zach Levine or Dejounte Murray or. Whoever like the 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 name du jour might be, it, it it to me would would be a more feasible move. And by the way, Jared Vanderbilt had that interesting quote the other night that I think or this morning that that I think requires more attention, where he said, "We don't think we need this giant trade to go on mm-hmm. a run. We've gone on a run before." And again, I have been saying all year that the core from last year's team has just been begging, buy into us, reinvest yep. into us, re-believe into us. I don't know why they stopped believing us, but but freaking start believing in us. And we think that we can really go on a run last year. That's all they were sold coming into the season was look what you guys did with so little margin for error last year. Just imagine what you guys could do with an off season, with a full season playing together, all these things now. Half the season is out the window because of the way that Ham has fucked around this year. But like, but like when Ham when when Vanderbilt says that, that is how all of those guys feel. Like um when when I saw that quote from Vanderbilt, I kind of asked around and, and and like the the consensus was, yeah, of course they feel that way. They want to mm-hmm. go on a run. They went on a run last year. Like when you go on long playoff runs. You develop like a sense of of almost like brotherhood in in the NBA, Absolutely. you know, and and like those guys went through that last year, came up short, and they're like, just give us a go, just give us an opportunity, let's see what we can do this year. And and I think if you make that kind of more minor tweak, and again, like organizationally reinvest back into that core that you told us you were going to reinvest back coming into the season. If you do that, like that to me is more productive 
then again, some giant swing for the fences that I don't think the Lakers need to make. Their ceiling this year, Raj, has been impre- as impressive as just about anybody's. The, right. the whole like ceiling razor thing isn't to me something that they need to be focusing on. You don't need to swing for the fences when you have the bases loaded and you're only dead you, and it's a tie game. You know, if it's if, if the bases are loaded and you're down by one, a single gets you the dub, a single scores two. So, like, just just hit a single, just hit it, draw a walk. <laughs> but you, if you if you swing for the fences trying to hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth and you strike out, then you're screwed. <laughs> then you lost, you squandered that opportunity. Yeah, that that was a lot of baseball within that. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think I did I did follow I did follow that. Um, no, that's funny. I think that, like, see you like actually like piecing it together. Yeah, like I see the like, thought bubbles above loaded. your head. Yeah, yeah. Look, seeing the baseball players <laughs> trying to attack the ball. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it all. I think I got it all depicted. But um, no, I'm I'm with you. That's where I've been, and I'm like I feel like this team has enough talent. I think we've seen the ceiling enough. I think it's the floor that they have to fix. Really, I think like they played well enough in big games. Yeah. We played Boston, I thought, as well as we could on on Christmas. Um, we beat the Clippers. We beat OKC twice. We beat the Suns three times this year. Obviously, the Suns were, were you know in a struggle as well. I just like I think I've seen the ceiling. It's the floor that needs to raise, and I think that's where you get into the rotations and you get you know your wings playing more. And again, not to like give you know Ham a lot of grace, but I think a part of it was Vando being out really like kind of pushed him into this Cam Reddish. Uh, like it pushed Cam Reddish up a tier in the rotation. Cam played really well to start the year. He was defending. Uh, he's defending all the other teams like best on ball players with Vando out. And I thought he did a really solid job with that. And that probably got extended too far. It probably went to like the extreme spectrum. But yeah, I think like this team is deep. That was the whole point of it. They're to have a bunch of depth. And I think you're starting to see it tr- uh, trickle in. You're seeing Rui play well. You're seeing Vando's really start to get comfortable within the season. And I would like to build like that would be my in like Raj's dream universe would be like the team starts to play well, Delo's playing well, Austin's playing well, and then you can add to it. I, I don't, I don't want to like subtract from this team already. And obviously, Delo is probably the odd man out in in any scenario. But that's why I ask, like, how many wins would it take if they go eight and four in the next stretch, and they beat Boston, they beat the Clippers, they beat Denver within that? I think there's a world where they're like the front office goes, hey, like let's go get a Luke Kennard, let's go get a you know like. Let's go get a Bogdanovich from Detroit, who I think makes a little bit too much. But, like, you know, go get um, – I don't know Marcus Smart doesn't really fill that role. But just go get, like, a movement shooter or get one more offensive wing. Get one more player that's – or go get, a, go get a Gordon Hayward on, like, a buyout or something like that. Like, that's the kind of addition that I would kind of like for this team. Just one more player in that – a player that's kind of better than Torian. You know, like, like that, that's kind of where that – where that margin I think for is, is for us, but um, that's, that's kind of what I would like this team to do. I'm expecting some like trade during the deadline, but like, I look at these contracts, Deont- DeJounte Murray, four years, 120 left on his deal. That doesn't even start till next season. We've already kind of gone through the Zach Levine stuff. I just, I don't think those move the margins enough where you have to subtract from a team that made a conference final. So I, I hope that, you know, scenario exists. I hope there's a world where, this team wins at a rate to where the front office has to make some tough decisions. Like, Hey, maybe we don't, we can't just package three of our rotation out uh, cause the team is winning. And I, and I hope they, I hope they get to that point. Yeah. I essentially, and, and I don't think you asked this question in this way <clears throat> or with this um, factor being a part of it, but essentially like my hope for the Lakers coming into like the first 40, however, I think you play like, 
50 some odd games by the time the trade deadline rolls around. My mm-hmm. hope there would have been to play well enough so that you go into the negotiations from a point of, of, of leverage, right? Where right. you go into exactly. those negotiations and you say, essentially, I don't need to make this trade here. I don't need to, I don't need to swap out chunks of our rotation for this player because our team is broken. I don't need to do this. If we can, if I can find a deal, cool. But essentially kind of like walking through a swap meet on a Saturday. If I could feel the right, if I can find the right deal, cool. If not, mm-hmm. whatever. There's always next Saturday. Um, and and um, if the Lakers do enough winning between now and February 8th and get back to something closer to that scenario, I don't think they'll be in that scenario because of the way that the season has gone. But if they could win, like, what do they play? 11 games between now and the eighth, right? If they could win, yes, like, they- seven or eight of those games and and the vibes around the team are better and they, you know, as those negotiations take place between now and then, and especially as you get closer to the deadline, the Lakers can or Rob Polinka can, you know, realistically and believably tell those teams, I don't need to make this trade, right? The whole Mm -hmm. problem with the last couple of years was that he was having these conversations about Russell Westbrook. And when he was having those conversations with those other teams, it was like, we know you have to trade him. It is going to cost you a lot to trade that person. And in this case though, like if the Lakers can do enough winning and they can get back on the right side of the leverage in those conversations. That to me should be kind of like the organizational goal for the players. It's just to freaking win, right? For the coaching staff, it's to win. And for the coaching staff, it's to regain the trust of the players that I still think is kind of sort of broken, but for the organization, they need to be rooting for wins here so that when those negotiations happen with these other teams, they can do so without like, understanding and without the understanding going into those conversations of we know you're fucked give us a whole bunch of stuff so you could try to save your season and in rob's job in rob's case save your job (laughs) that's (laughs) because that by the way because i saw i you know raj you you mentioned this in the slack today and i've seen other people mention it you know could this season reach a breaking point where the team decides it's just not fixable if that happens Heads roll, right? Darwin's Darwin's fired for sure. It, to, sure. To reach that point and AD and LeBron be healthy, you can't survive that. And if you fire Darwin from in, in, in Rob Polinka and you fired Frank Vogel to get to Darwin and watch Darwin screw it up this way, that might cost you your job as well. And then from Jeannie's perspective, you're the person who hired Rob not once, but essentially twice because when magic stepped down, you had the opportunity. There were conversations. I've been told that, you know, there was a conversation with the Lakers and Bob Myers. I've been told that the, that they were like Masai Ujiri showed interest in, in the position. RC Buford showed some interest in the position. Like there were, there were a ton of conversations because there was all kinds of people seeing that opportunity with this franchise and genies, um, obviously outcome intended outcome. There was, Nope, we're just going to elevate Rob and we're going to see how we go here. And, and so if that is your call there, 
And Rob has wasted, if, if this season doesn't go to plan and they decide that it's so far gone to save it, you've wasted multiple LeBron prime seasons. Jeannie's uh, aptitude in this position gets questioned as well. When Jesse and Joey, all they've been doing is been kicking ass on the scouting side here, minus Jalen Huchafina. Um, and so like, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> way too early no <laughs> i was just gonna see if i could sneak that by you but that's a, that's everything that's basically at stake here over the next few weeks and that i think is the hope here is you win enough so you can have those conversations from the point of power for sure and just shout out jhs played his second south bay game with the you know with the south bay lakers today um uh, as well but i think you fr- how do you do? Uh, I got to check. I got to, I got to rewatch the game. I think it was around this. I think it was early in the day. So I got to watch how he played. No, but, no numbers um, on it? No numbers yet. I'll, I'll look it up in a little bit. Oh. Um, but I thought you, I think you framed it really well. And the reason I asked that is because I think there becomes a point where teams where like the vultures start to sort circle, right? Like teams start to look at you and yeah, you have LeBron at 39. You need to make some move. I'm going to take you for everything you have, right? Kind of how, um mm-hmm. Oklahoma City did to the Clippers when when they needed Paul George kind of they were able to just grab everything in their vicinity and the Lakers really they have one first round pick and then they have Austin Reeves and then obviously JHS that you brought out so it's not like they can take a ton just from this trade deadline but I do think they need to operate with some type of leverage like you talked about but Anthony if they're six and seven games behind of the plane which is why I think tonight was such a big win you lose tonight that can really kind of domino you play Dallas on you know Wednesday before playing some other inferior teams after that. But now this gives you a nice springboard to kind of get yourself back on regular, you know, footing. The Warriors just continue to, the Lakers and Warriors just trade embarrassing loss after embarrassing loss is really strange. The Warriors just up, you know, did them one one up by losing to the G League um, Memphis Grizzlies, I believe, earlier today. Um, but yeah, like that's why I asked that because I think if you're six or seven games behind of the plane, is it worth giving up any draft capital? Is it worth giving Austin Reeves up? Is it worth training Rui Hachimura and or is it worth just re you know resettling in the offseason and be able to kind of uh attach more picks obviously and they'll have more first rounders to deal um I'm hoping it doesn't get to that point I don't think it'll get to that point I think LeBron and AD are just too good to um kind of lose as much as it was take to get out of the plane but uh yeah shout out JHS man 16 one on four assists this should not be his second game South Bay has played so many games I play I've been to like eight South Bay games and like he's played in two of them now like i just i i wish he played there more but um yeah like i i think the team needs leverage during this trade deadline and you saw that with russ last season i think you'll see it again in a month and like if the lakers are like four or five games above 500 when they're going to these trades i think that makes a world of difference you're speaking you're talking from a place of uh you're not desperate and i think like that's a dangerous place to be being desperate during the trade deadline that's when teams make the worst moves that's how yeah. Zoo is becomes a that's how Zoo becomes a starting center for the LA Clippers for the last six years. God, that's that's still my like that's that's the one that bothers me the most still. Like that dude is so good. But um I think that's how you get trades like that when if when you're desperate at, at trade deadlines. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lounge. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Um, we've gotten uh, you know. Nice little uptick in subscribers over the last couple of days because for whatever reason, yesterday's show was super popular. I don't know what happened there. Um, uh, subscribe here on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get your pods, preferably Odyssey, right? Uh, my my current employer. 
Um, and uh, oh, oh yeah, Malcolm, I'm glad you I'm glad you shouted out Castleton. He's been killing it. Like he has. I've been every time I look up, I see his line. And it's like you know, I keep one. Wood is playing well enough to where like he's going to hold Castleton off of minutes with the main team. But had he not been, I would have. I, I think Castleton right now is a better NBA player than Jackson Hayes. Like just like right now, flat out better. Yeah, um, he might be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, subscribe everywhere you get your pods. Get your five star reviews in. I'll answer those as they come in as well. Uh, check out Raj and me on All Access Lakers again. That's Playback.tv/slash All Access Lakers. Make an account there. All it takes, it's free. You just give your email. You make an account. And you hop in there and you and you watch the games with us. Um, and you, you know, you comment, you can come on stage if you want to come on stage. You can do that. If you want to become a VIP here on YouTube, and as we build up those VIPs here on YouTube, we will uh start doing happy hours as I intend them to exist, where I actually have you on the show with me having a conversation on those Friday episodes as well. So, um, and then if you want to subscribe, I'll be putting some stuff together here as we get ready for the trade deadline on Substack as well. So, um, again, shouts to everybody for the way that you guys continue to support us. Thank you, everybody, for watching here. As we talked about the Lakers beating the Oklahoma City Thunder 112 to 105. Um, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Raj Shapalu. And this has been the Lakers Lake.